up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the Sunday. Well, I'm hoping Section Jack. Not tomorrow, Mr. Smith Weber on the board. SP Futures up 22, NASDAQ Futures up 90, so we're trying to get some kind of rally out of this. Uh, we need one after five days in the, in the sewer. Uh, whether we get one or not, if you. Bear market rally, whichever. We, we, we could use a bear market rally here, even if, even if that's what it is. We'd like to feel good for a day. Do we have Mr. Kevin? You do. So what do you think about like coming in from the car with your trusty meteorologist and all of a sudden you get whacked by rain and wind and he su- he's surprised? What does that, what does that tell you? What does that tell you? <clears throat> um, it tells you that um, being the uh, weather weatherman or weather woman. Is a really, really good job because <laughs> when you get a job as you know doing the weather on a major media outlet, you make good money and you don't have to be right very often. He doesn't look and like those Cheryl's kinds of jobs are hard to get. Yeah, but I'd rather be walking along with Cheryl Scott, just to say. So just would I. Say. Yeah. So, By the way. so would you. Yeah, <laughs> you're no picnic either. <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> Anyways, it's nasty. Well, out. let me look up Cheryl Scott while we're talking because I don't live in Chicago. Oh God, you must know who she is. She's been the heartthrob of everybody for like probably ten years, maybe. Yeah, she'll be she'll be on Good Morning America in New York, I'm sure, within the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, very bright, very very nice. She does the uh, New Year's Eve stuff and everything. And anyway, she's been she's been a star for a while. She's a long way from uh, Harry Volkman, shall we say? Just saying. Oh yeah, very attractive too. I got the images up here. Uh yeah, just just saying. Um, so what do you make of? Uh, I have to ask you, <laughs> Russell, you better be ready to answer this one. What exactly does it mean when the Bank of England tells the pension funds they have three days to rebalance their stuff? How, how do you rebalance a bunch of crap on your, on your, on your books? How do you rebalance crap? Yeah. Well, let's, let's go with the literal version of that first. How do yeah. you rebalance <laughs> your crap? Um, lots of fiber, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I just... I'm going to do fiber and yogurt or something that'll get you there. I don't know, but uh, I suppose there's a potion somewhere. Just saying. You know, hey, I don't you know speaking of that kind of stuff, I, I went for the uh, you know the uh, to the roto rooter doctor last Friday. Oh God. After I got off the air. Now the the funny thing, and I I don't remember this, but this is my daughter was was there when they were waking me up. Apparently they you know they pump this gas into your. Uh, you know, in, into your uh, um, self intestines and yeah. stuff, so that the scope can kind of get through easy. And then they want you to pass it when you, you know. So they're waking me up, 
and they're pressing on my stomach to try and get me. And I, I looked at him and I said, you should just pull my finger. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the world a great place, you know. Spaceship Earth is, uh, is wild, and then you get kicked off, right, at some point. It's just a... What can yeah, we that's say? your version of life sucks and then you die. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I, uh, I was going through my, my new... Uh, oh, Matty doesn't know this, but I got a new toy, Manny. I, got, I, have a, I found a bond uh, calculator. You should never have let me find this because uh, I've been dangerous with it. But He's not talking to James Bond here. No, no. no it's, uh, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, trying to figure out, as we've mentioned on many occasions on the show, I'd say something <laughs> stupid like, Hey, can you imagine what those bonds that people in Europe bought at like zero interest rates or negative, what they look like now on their balance sheet? Right. So, uh, well, actually, so the other day, for whatever reason, I dug up this bond calculator. You st- the, only, the good news is, both of you guys, Mitty and, and Kevin, is that I can't get the thing to take a negative number, <laughs> which should have been a clue, I guess, for the central banks, but. Uh, <laughs> But I'm sure somewhere you can you can find a uh, a uh, um, you know one one that will. Um, but I'm but this thing is this thing is spectacular. So all you have to do is put in a thousand buck face value of the bond. All right, you put in a coupon rate of two percent, time to maturity. You just go twenty years. Then you say the market interest rate is like point say point zero one one percent. And then you then you hit the, then you hit calculate. And the thing is worth roughly, f- you're going to pay roughly $1,400 for this thing. Right? So, um, this is, and now these guys are paying more. So, when a, a bank came out with a coupon, and the central banks of, I don't know, Britain, Britain, I don't think it was as bad as the, as the uh, European Union Bank, they're paying, you know, $1,400, $1,500. If it's zero interest rate, it's got to be $1,500. They're paying for this bank. And I'm sitting there, okay, now what does that look like on their balance sheet? Well, if you take that interest rate, to four percent, where where it roughly is now, um, and recalculate, the thing is worth seven hundred bucks. So you've lost six hundred dollars in like three years, I and mean, you've lost half the value. Now, granted, as time goes by, you'll end up getting a thousand. Pl- make that up in quantity, no problem. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Um, but you know, the interesting part is the the present face value of the. Of the, of the face value is 452 bucks. So at 4%, that's what $1,000 in 20 years is worth to you. It's 452 bucks. The present value of the uh, of the interest is only $273. It's, I mean, you, you absolutely can eviscerate yourself by, by these things. Now, I'm sure a central bank is probably going to hold them, and they're, and they're never going to mark them to market, right? But still, or if you're an insurance company, you're just never going to market the market. You don't look at it, but... These guys are talking about their pension fund balance sheet. They're having margin problems. Well, of course they are because their their statements. I mean, if you just so you know, these guys have to have statements somewhere. They must have an account someplace. I mean, clearly it's not a PTI, but it's someplace. If it's Morgan Stanley or somewhere, you have to have a a pension fund has an account somewhere's, and whether it's with a bank or with a well, the bank has to have a brokerage arm, but someplace somewhere you're getting this statement. And the statement's going to show that, by the way, these things are seven hundred dollars, and you just paid fourteen hundred for them. No matter what you do, it, it's going to show that you've got sixty percent or fifty-five percent of the money you used to have. So, going through this nonsensical argument, 
what the hell do you do in three days to rebalance, Kevin? I mean, what, what do you do? Fake them? <laughs> Put different names well, on Well, their, their problem from the article that you sent me, the, the problem is that they, they were told a long time ago, well, you know, some they were given more, much more time than three days, and, uh, you know, everybody acted like, ah, they don't really mean it. They won't follow through on what they say. So, you know, now they're saying, oh, no, we meant it. Um, so that that will be uh, an interesting little exercise. But, but I mean, what do they want to do? Uh, Sell them? See if, if if mom and dad really said when they said, "Don't make me come to her," I'm going to turn this car around. Uh, did they do they really turn this car around and go back home? But there's a solution there. You shut up in the car. What are these guys supposed to do with these bands? They're just there. Well, well, yeah, but they, you know, you shut up, but you only shut up after about the third threat. Well, I know, but uh, I'm saying. And, and that's that's where they are now. Is they're they're at the third threat. They're kind of, you know, assuming that the uh, uh, central bank does follow through on it, they're kind of screwed. I, I get that part, have but a fire sale or, um, um, you know, or God knows what. I don't know what they're going to do. But I, you know, since I am a money manager, I always try and put myself in these positions, and I go, okay, what if this is me? They talked my predecessor into buying all these bands, or. In my charter, I have to buy a certain amount of government bonds, which is very possible. And now they're all worth, you know, forty percent of what or sixty percent of what we paid for them. What exactly do I do with that? Except hope time goes by and I'm still here. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I guess I don't know the solution. Um, you just kind of, you know, what, what did I tell you before? It's just, you know, this is it, it is mom and dad. They, you know, they're tired yeah. of yelling. They're kicking the kid out of the house. Okay, so I have one of two things I can do. I can sell them, uh, which I don't necessarily want to do. I guess I can market. I must have to, up, you know, increase the amount of money people pay into the pensions. What else can I do? Uh, find another sucker to back you. Um, yeah, I guess. Anyway, just yeah, I'd come knock. I'd call the Fed first, Federal Reserve Bank. <laughs> well, I just wanted your opinion. I said I went over this uh, because yesterday. we don't want global collapse. So no. we can. The Fed will do it. Well, you know, how do you how do you fix the same thing you caused if you're the Fed? I mean, it's I just I, we go over that too much, but here's a yeah, piece. I know it's all it's all pretty uh, bleeped up, isn't it? Yeah. Well, here's a you know it's funny if, if you take the economic but, argument but, of things, but bleeped up on purpose. That's that's the yeah. important part. This has all been very intentional. Here's a here's a piece of paper that I mean I we could probably spend. We'd have to take our our. Uh, or uh, economic professor buddies with us. I tell you what, putting putting Hale and Russell in the same room would be interesting. Yep. I'm telling you, Tom, we got to have the, uh, the stocks and, do- and jocks retreat, and we'd have some really good panels on all kinds of different subjects. Um, speaking of which, one uh, of those would be the economics panel. Yeah. You do know that uh, Hale wants us. Make me the moderator. I'll, I'll be the interviewer. Well, Hale wants us to put together a, uh, a course. For his school and being an adjunct professor, which would be interesting. But anyway, you know, I I get involved. You know, you can get me in as a guest speaker. You've been a guest speaker in my classes. Um, You know, I I do that, but uh, I can't do another course now. No, I'm just wondering if I I have the bandwidth either. Right now. Anyway, I've got this. I was I was cleaning the place out, right, and uh, say clean up the junk behind me where I sit. Of course, the reason why I kept it is because it's not junk. So I dug out this one piece of paper here, and it <coughs> doesn't say where it's from, but, uh, um, yeah, it does. It's some, uh, I don't know. Anyway, but 
It has to do with the growth of family income. I don't know if you heard this yesterday. And it goes all the way back to essentially World War II. And from 1947 to 1979, the headline is, We All Grew. Bottom 20%, 116%. Second 20%, 100 Third, third uh, 111 Actually, the fourth did the best. So the eighth, it, it, 60 to 80th percentile, 114. No, they didn't actually. The bottom one. And the top 20% was plus 99. They actually were the lowest. From 1980 to 2007, it's an incredibly different picture. The bottom 30 per, tw- uh, 20%, 15% only income in, in 28 years. Uh, second, 22%. Third, 23%. Fourth, 33%. And the top was 95%, but therein lies the, 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 the riddle. If you take the top 1% out of the top 20%, they only grew 31% in income. The top 1% is up 261% in income. And I bought, I mean, we don't, we would pr- probably need a whole, all of us and a couple of listeners for a week to actually do all the reasons as to why this happened. But you and Maddie, what, what do you think? I, I mean, I, a lot of the stuff was offshoring, factory work overseas, those kinds of things. Um, but this is an incredible difference. And I, I'm going to say, Kevin and Maddie, that from my economic perspective, because economics is really a social science. It doesn't belong in the business school. It belongs in sociology and psychology. Um, if, if it, from my science, the economics is what, I, what I'm going to... Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get granular, it's in the abnormal psychology. Yeah, oh yeah, without, without a question. Uh, but in, in my area, this explains virtually everything you're seeing now. The problem in the schools, the problem with education, the problem with uh, uh, road rage. I mean, you name it. All of it is, in con- is contained on this sheet of paper. I really believe that. And I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do about it, <laughs> but, I, but I believe it. Comments. No, I really don't. I, you know, it's uh, again. You know, who, who who do we run the economy for? Isn't that a good question? Is is, is it supposed to be to make you know uh, to allow everybody to thrive as much as possible? Is it to allow a middle class, a strong middle class, to thrive? But you know, what's what's the point ultimately? Well, but um, the idea is if, if, you, if you run it to benefit, you know, the wealthiest people, um, then uh, you know you're you're going to get what you're describing. Well, yeah, and I, uh, it, it has to do with a lot of influence. But I'm going to say that the top one or two, three wealthiest people now have more influence than like the labor unions ever did in politics. So, so what you get is not. I mean, the the thing that I remember from. Uh, as much as I like to sort of name Milton Friedman out there in today's world with the with the tre- with the uh, Treasury stuff and the Fed, I think the the single biggest influence of my economic theory was George Stigler, because he was a behavioral economist, and he talked about government and economies, and how people say politicians it's not run like a business. He says that's total BS. It's absolutely run like a business. It's just a different business that most people don't understand. But every politician well, understands. Yes and no. It doesn't. It does not have the bottom line accountability that a business. Um, it it does to the people that are getting elected. For them, it's run like a business. Two different things, Kevin. I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah, no, I I hear what you're saying, but you know there there is a difference in business. 
you know, there, there's such a thing as, you know, you, you have to allocate the resources, you, you know, and, and they're not unlimited. In government, at least lately, the resources are considered unlimited, and so it's all about, you know, what my agency, what my department, what my state, what my, you know, whatever the organization is, what can we get? What can we get? Because money from, money from the federal government is free. Well, we've we turned, we've turned we stealing can, we money. We can grow anything we want, except that money from the federal government isn't free, um, but it's treated that way. You know, it, it, you know, COVID funds were, were are, are the example. Some some states are still sitting on them and, and finding new ways to spend the money. You know that. Yeah, you you had the money. You didn't need it during the crisis. Oh well, now we got to find a way to spend it because it's free money. Well, I mean, I, I guess. I, I, and in that regard, you 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 know that that doesn't fly in the business world. No, it, it, it um, let me put it another way. Go back to the old days when people were were totally grousing about corporations, where the guy's entire bonus was based on quarterly quarterly income, and how bleeped up businesses were run in those days. That's very akin, in my opinion, to what what goes on in politics. I'll do whatever I have to do over this two year span to get back in. And then, we'll, and then we'll worry about it the next two years. Very close. Except that that election cycle starts up right away. Yeah, well, the same thing as the... one election's over, especially for Congress when they're on two-year terms, the election cycle is just right back on. Well, I, I, what I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying is the, the, the business is just to get yourself elected, just like it is the, for the CEO that's unencumbered to get himself a bonus. You're very close. Anyway, what I'm saying, but, but the point is, I think this is what... All your all your problems in society have to do with this. And when I worked at Pullman, you could make uh, twenty grand a year working on the on the assembly line uh, as a welder, as a, maybe even more, a little bit more. And the chairman of the place made two hundred and fifty grand. He made like ten times that much. And now I'm going to say most factory workers are making thirty-five. And uh, name me a CEO worth his salt that isn't in the multi-millions. The difference is dramatic. You, I mean, you didn't have in those days. Not saying that you know this is Andy Mayberry. You didn't have like this guy. What's the name of the company? It's not Snow. It's one of these weirdo companies that they've been around for like four or five years. They've never made a dime. The stock ran up to where it's worth like twenty billion dollars. The company, the, the CEO, had to sell his shares for like a billion dollars because the options were expiring. He had to. I mean, he didn't want to, but he had to. Now the stocks are way down to like six bucks, and the rest of the people got nothing. Not never had a dividend. I mean, th- this this gamesmanship, Kevin, is in, is in, is in unconscionable in my mind. Yeah, and Tom, I agree with you, but I also think you're you're ignoring the, um, you know, different different areas. You know, when when you live in the investments world, you're looking at major corporations. When you live where I live. You're looking at a whole lot of businesses that are um, family-owned or closely held in, in one way or another, and the CEO is not going to make a fortune unless the company does well. Right. Now, some of them are, are run, you know, the, the management is very amateurish, and others of them, the management is really, really good, but it's a whole different world, and that's why in some of the smaller cities around the country where you have a lot of these kinds of companies, there still is a middle class, and there still are people who, uh, you know, uh, uh, can afford to live there. Well, but I, I guess what I'm going to say is, I, 
I know, I know I'm going to say it, is that your area, um, and Joliet to a huge extent, um, all the, the railroad stuff that's moved down there and trucking and everything, is, is totally, not totally, but y- your, your largesse and your growth is really because Chicago has degraded. And, and, and my, my hat's off to all those people, and you know my hat's off to what you're doing, and I think it's a spectacular thing. That's America, where if one place bleeps up, somebody else will pick up the ball, right? I mean, that, that's what you want to have in an economy, but it's, I mean, I, there's another uh, uh, one here about the lost decade. I mean, a lot of what you're seeing happening over there, Cook County lost more than a quarter of its manufacturing jobs between 2000 and 2010. Every county in, in the Chicago area lost manufacturing and jobs in that time span more than 125,000 people. Right, but I'm still not, I'm still saying, you know, it's one thing when uh, and a number of companies have announced they're leaving Chicago lately. Um, it's one thing when a major corporation moves out. It's another thing when your economy is really built on, you know, on these small businesses that started up locally in the first place. Right. Um, yeah, everybody, you know, economically speaking and tax-based speaking, everybody likes it when Amazon's going to, you know, wants to build an 800,000-square-foot distribution center. That's going to be a lot of jobs. Um, that's going to be, uh, you know, some tax revenue. That's going to be a lot of things. But um, it is not the backbone of the local economy here. No, it is not. And, uh, and that's and why it's never going to be. That's why I think your, your area is hope. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, other areas, I mean, if you... Uh, I mean, the, uh, well, I mean, what do you suppose? Here's just a little list of the people. The bigger name casualties, Motorola plant in Harvard in 2003, Jay's Potato Chip plant in the south side in 2007, Brock's Candy on the west side in 2003, Rep, who are these guys, Replogal Globes? What the hell's that? Uh, closes plant in Broadway, where they make globes, I guess. Wrigley shuttered a south side plant in 2006. I mean, those kinds of places... Okay, but not that yours in total, but how many people, I'll, I'll go back to the, uh, the AT&T, well, Western Electric plant in uh, Cicero. I mean, when they had 30,000 people there working, you know, 24-6, how many, how many people, how many bars, restaurants, clothing stores, how many people, I mean, what's your number? You know this better than me. I've heard, how, for every manufacturing job like that, how many other jobs are there? It's like it's like two and a half, isn't it? Well, it depends. It, it, again, that varies from uh, region to region. Yeah, yours is I mean, that. Yours a little more spread in, out. In most states, there's more people working for the government than there are in yeah. manufacturing. Well, I mean, in, in a in a city where people are commuting there, you got the bus drivers, you got everybody else. But I mean, in, in your area, it's a little bit spread out. So I'm get, I imagine everybody drives to work, right? I mean, you have to. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's public transportation, but you know if you needed public transportation to get from South Bend to Elkhart, um, not going to happen. There's always the hound. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> uh, you, you, you know, you can ride Amtrak. <laughs> uh, yeah, does Amtrak go through South Bend now? Yeah, didn't it didn't for years and years. Yeah, the the uh, it, um, Union Station is a, a data center now. Um, so it, that's not it, but there is an Amtrak stop on the uh, on the west side. It's just a platform, though. All right, you know um, what? Uh, it stops, and then it goes, and then there's a, a real station in Elkhart. Where does it? Uh, where does that go? Is it the one in New York? Um, yeah, it's eastbound. So yeah, New York, um, you know, uh, north the uh, northwest, and then there's 
Um, there's also uh, an Amtrak stop in Niles that's on the way to Detroit. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, um, uh, that's the one Robert takes in, my buddy. Yeah. Well, the uh, 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 South Bend used to have a Grand Trunk station. I used to take that down there. It, it stopped at 63rd and Kedzie. And it was like an hour and 25 minutes to South Bend. Boarded that thing all ass. Then we went to Toronto. Well, now the, the, the trains, like I said, the train station itself is it's a data center. It's a huge data center, and uh, it's one of two real big ones that we have here. Um, and uh, the, the whole train platform is uh, is data suites. Notre Dame supercomputer array is in there. Really? You know, there's uh, all of the major carriers are in there. The um, you know uh, uh, Verizon's and AT and T. Now, what, what made that a good just in the terms of signal and all all of these major carriers are there. Um, and then, uh, and then even Amazon has a, uh, a big server farm in there. Well, what uh, what made that uh, the thing wasn't even air conditioned last time I was in there forty years ago? Um, what made it? Well, first of all, this this fellow Kevin Smith bought it back in the seventies, and his business uh, it was uh, constructions and metalworking and and that kind of stuff. So that you know that was what he did. Um, but so it, it was it was ready to be condemned. But the serendipity was that when, um, you know, the Internet exploded and fiber optics exploded, where do you suppose they run fiber all over the country? Oh, well, like railroad right-of-ways. Railroad right-of-ways and, uh, and uh, interstate highways and major U.S. highways. So you have a convergence here of um, rail, and, and, and guess where Union Station is? Right at the right-of-way. So yeah. it's, you know, it's right there. There is no... There is no additional build out, so they, you know, that gave them access to a ton of fiber, and then US 31 North and South was good, and the Indiana Toll Road was a good right away. So when they built out the uh, Metro Net here, um, that it connected up that part of the uh, of the fiber trunk, and so it's been a really really good place for uh, uh, technology to grow. And well, that's and good. Over the last 15 years or so, it, it really has. We must have put a fortune in that thing for climate control. Oh yeah, and and it's it's beautiful. It's it's right across from the minor league ballpark. Um, pretty nondescript when you look at it from the outside, um, you know, nice and all. But if you look, if you peer inside, the old waiting area is now it's it's meeting space. You could have anything from a business meeting to a wedding reception there. And then um, and then uh, see that's where we're going to have the so- stocks and jocks big big. Might as well. So uh, real quick before we go to break here, you see. PepsiCo came out with their earnings, and their stock is up uh, 452. They, of course, made the announcement that despite all these nasty cost increases, they were able to raise their prices way more than the cost. So you got that. So, uh, so, so we'll talk yeah, about there's this. Some, there's businesses that can do that, and, oh, yeah. and they will. They'll be fine. I know how they, do you, the, the problem is that there's businesses that can't do that. Well, can you, do you spell the word cartel? They own a, between them and Coke. They own the beverage industry, for God's sake. SB Futures up 27. Nancy Futures up 105. We're rooting for a rally here today. We're right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. 
Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back, welcome back to and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. It's Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up 27. NASDAQ Futures up 104. So, uh, Mr. Weber, do you realize that Major League Baseball, in addition to going head over heels into gambling, is now partnering with Charlotte's Web? The first of the four major U.S. sports leagues to reach a deal with a CBD company, so you're supposed to be stolen so you gamble more. There you go. They don't mind you drinking 15 beers, so I'm fine with them. Um, How do you drink 15 beers by the seventh inning? Oh, that can be done. You know how long these games are. I suppose are. it can, but <laughs> not, not by me anymore. When, Let's put it that way. When the first through the seventh last three hours, you can drink 15 beers. Uh, yeah, I suppose you can. Top <laughs> <laughs> Futures up 140 over in Europe. Uh, Dex up 20.2%. FTSE down 6.1%. CAC round up 112 So they're not doing much with this uh, rally here that's starting over in Asia. Nikkei down 4. Call that flat. Shanghai up 45.1.5% finally. 
Hang Seng, however, down again, 131.8%. 16,701. We're going to have uh, Russell try and explain how low can that thing go without, I mean, I guess causing a problem. It's already causing a problem if you're long, I suppose. Uh, yesterday, the Dow was up 36, S&P down 23, NASDAQ down 115. We were up most of the day until the your, uh, British UK Central Bank came out and said they, they're only going to help the pension funds for three more days, and then they're cutting them off. They got to fix themselves by Friday, which is we talked earlier about how, you, how exactly you do that. Uh, bonds up one, uh, two basis points to 3.96, nudging back towards four. The Bund up seven, 2.38. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.25. We've got oil uh, up 37 cents, 89.70. Still trying, still trying to make it to 90. A brand up 64 cents, 94.93. Natural gas up a penny, 660. Pretty steady, steady here the last week or so on the mid to high sixes. Arbob up two cents, 264, which really asks the question of why Chicago gas is 470. It's, uh, that's the biggest spread I've ever seen between wholesale and what we pay. Uh, gold up down 940, sorry, 1676. Silver down 31 cents, 1917. Copper down two cents, 344. As gold continues to not be able to find a bid. We've got uh, Bitcoin up 146, 19,148. Uh, Ethereum, already breaking the 1300 level, now it's back up to 1300 exactly, up 18 bucks. And we have the US dollar. Uh, where are we? We've got the pound up uh, actually a whole basis point, so 110. The euro up to you know, five, five ticks to 0.97, so still at very low levels. I mean, the dollar is at very high levels. Maybe what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Uh, we're off to a decent start on the area expressways as far as accidents are concerned, but there is rain in the area. In fact, it's raining right now, and that's causing the traffic volumes to build. So people are driving slower, which is probably uh, causing them to not have accidents, which is a good thing. The bad thing is, is there's a lot of cars out there driving slow because of the rain, and uh, we're seeing some extended travel times on the Edens and Kennedy. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson. Southside Expressway is moving slowly too, so no accidents, which is good, uh, but we have some slow travel times out there due to the rain. Off the expressways, we have one crash in the area. It's out west in Wheaton, Route 59 at uh, Main Street there in Wheaton, there is a crash, but everything else looking good out there. Weather today, rain uh, mostly in the morning and early afternoon, and then should clear off this afternoon, a high of 66, and then temperatures will fall into the 50s uh, tonight and into the next couple of days uh, where it'll be chillier again. Uh, before we uh, do warm back up a little bit this weekend. Right now it's rainy and 61, going up to a high of 66. For our Phoenix listeners, no rain down there. Sunshine with a high of 94. Right now it's clear and 71. In sports, the Blackhawks uh, open their season tonight. They're in Denver to take on the Colorado Avalanche. It's an 8.30 p.m. Central Time puck drop, and the game will be carried on national television on TNT. MLB playoffs, the NL or the uh, division series in both leagues uh, began last night. These are best of five series. In the National League, it was the Phillies upsetting the Braves in game one, seven to six. Dodgers beat the Padres five to three. In the American League, the Astros rallied back from down big to the Mariners to uh, hit a three-run walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth and beat Seattle in game one, eight to seven. Yankees, no problem with the Guardians, four to one. Lastly, Thursday night football tomorrow night, the 2 and 3 Bears will host the 1 and 4 Washington Commanders at Soldier Field. Right now the line is a pickem chief. Really? It's a it's well, they're both terrible. Dead even line. Yeah, Bears 2 and 3, Commanders 1 and 4. The over under a staggeringly low 37 and a half. 
<laughs> so not expecting much from either offense. Chief, what um, so what are supposed to be? Uh, hey, that, two two things real quickly before you uh, get started again. Um, one is I don't think CBD oil will get you high, so we don't have to worry about Major League Baseball until they uh, have the official cannabis products of the, ah. um, uh, of, the um, uh, of MLB. Um, but two is I am pretty sure Harry Carey used to put down 15 beers during a game. <laughs> uh, in fact, I, I remember one when when he was back in his White Sox days, and and it was you know in extra innings like the 13th or 14th inning. And I don't remember if it was Budweiser or somebody else, you know, Falstaff or whoever they were, uh, was was the um, uh, uh, sponsor. So I'll, I'll go with Bud. And at one point he says, if you've been doing, you know, it breaks for the commercial. He says, if you've been doing like I suggested every half inning and going to the refrigerator for a cold Bud, and he's slurring his speech totally as he says this, he says, you must feel pretty good right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Uh I don't know. You wonder is all the we can't we can't get over these these well the traffic. I took uh we have the issue with the inbound uh, or whatever outbound Ryan that he outbound Stevenson because of the fire underneath the thing it wrecked some of the uh, some of the beams. So they were talking about whether it was open or not open. So I said screw it and I took the Dan Ryan tie fifty seven to get to Orland on Saturday. And I'm on I fifty seven and it wasn't very crowded at all. The entire stretch. I got my window open. It, it felt like I was smoking a dupe. The entire stretch stunk hooch. And a couple guys went by me at like 95 miles an hour. It's just what I want when I'm driving. Is everybody stoned? Everybody's going 90 miles an hour. Does anybody think this is a good idea? Or is, is it, am I just being old here? Well, you, you, Tom, you got to think this less as transportation and more of more like sport. I guess. So, you know, now, now you're, uh, you know, you're like in a video game and you have to dodge. You, not, you, not just the... Um, you're not you're not just dodging the uh, other cars. You're dodging the stoners driving the other cars. Yeah, it's a uh, well. You're not supposed to be high and drive. Now we know that, uh, but there's no test. That rule is is broken all the time, uh, but that is part of the law. So it's not like they're saying yes, get really high and drive. But there's no, there's absolutely no. Uh, you know, we cares. You never hear a, a don't stone drive commercial. You don't hear. I mean, you go through Hubbard's Cave on a Saturday, the entire cave, you get stoned if you walked in there. <laughs> by the way, the weather for the Bears game tomorrow, because uh, you oh, asked, no. is... Uh, Note to self, by the way, walk through Hubbard's Cave. Okay. <laughs> <Go> <laughs> Sounds like a good time. Uh, you would get hit by a car. But uh, the, it's clear in 54 during the day, but the temperatures really start dropping at night. It looks like by kickoff, it's going to be about 49, and then it'll be in the low 40s in the second half. So it'll get chilly if you're in the stands uh, tomorrow night at Soldier Field. Well, closer to home, what are you guys? What about the Mudville 9? That's not going to be a very good night. No, so our, our softball, we play Thursdays. And uh, the great thing is, is usually we play, you know, 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night. And, uh, and when we're done, we go to the bar and we get to watch usually the full second half of the Thursday night football game, which is fun, especially if you play some bets on it. Uh, but uh, tomorrow night, we play at like 9.30 which is the, the worst time because we're, we're the late game. And then, obviously, it's the one time the Bears are on <laughs> Thursday Night Football. So our plan is, and this could be a bad plan, our plan is to go to the bar for kickoff. It's, it's a real bad plan. Have a couple beers, not get trashed, uh, and then go to, the, go to the field at 9 at halftime. For four, and where it's 40 degrees. Where it's going to be cold. Um, that way we can still watch the first half of the game, uh, limit the drinking, play our game, and then, uh, and then go home, I guess. 
I think your hope yeah, is. I, I pity your first baseman. What? <laughs> you know, that, that, that's the worst when uh, when you have to play in this kind of weather. When yeah. It, yeah, when it's really cold and it's really late, that's not great. I would keep your phone out in the and, bar. And, and you roll the ball around the infield for the you know the, the first inning. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and everybody wants to really uncork one last good throw before they go. And so it's 40 degrees, you're playing barehanded, and they keep throwing them at you, and it goes, whack, ow, yeah. whack, <laughs> ow. And you don't want to tell them no, you know, you, you, they, they need to have confidence, so you don't want to tell them don't do that. Uh, you just pray for fly balls for the first inning. That's all. I would hope that your phone goes off in the bar and they say the other team is forfeiting. That would not be the worst call to get. I mean, I want to play, obviously, but... Uh, 930, 40 degrees. Eh. That would not be the worst call to get and just be able to watch the second half of the Bears game, stay, stay in the warm bar. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, we're not going to forfeit, though. We're not that. No. Type, we're not those type of dudes. We're not those type of guys. No. I would say uh, I feel bad for our first baseman, regardless of the weather, because uh, we have a pretty scattered arm infield. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a. It, it wasn't the scattered arms that worried me. You know, I could I could bail people out pretty well, but uh, um, so, so that wasn't the big issue. The big, you know, and plus I played with the same people for like twenty years. So, you know, I, I if <laughs> if. If the short center was going to be wild, he was going to be wild on the base runner side. If the, you know, actually he was going to be wild on the on the uh, outfield side of first base. But if the second baseman was wild, he was always wild on the base runner side. <laughs> so I could just set up there in the first place and be ready for him. So that was the scatter arms didn't worry me. I knew where their scatters were. <laughs> but what did get me um, was just you know uh, a couple of a couple of these arms. Uh, our, our shortstop Dave, you know, he he had the kind of arm where Somebody would hit one just really, really deep in the hole, and you know the older we all got, the far tape just play back farther. He was like Cal Ripken; he was just playing angles, but he had this gun for an arm. And so you'd, you'd get a guy, you know, who was running out of play at first base, and uh, and he, you know, he thought safe, easy, right, no problem. If I hit it there, you know, way back there, so he just puts his head down and runs. Dave guns him down, which of course hurts my hands. Um, and the, the guy is looking at his coach and saying, what the hell happened? <laughs> Where did that come from? Um, in my years so. at first base, it always was the different people were, you know, obviously people don't know this, 16 and softball, you don't wear gloves. So the ball, it, it had to do with, <clears throat> a lot of it had to do with the spin people had in the ball. My, my brother played third, and Dan had a serious arm, or still kind of does, he still plays all the time, but he came directly over the top, so. The ball would be <clears throat> backspin end over end, so when it, when it hit your hands, it would want to stick, so it wasn't a problem. And we had this other dude, Big Mike, was a uh, big black. He played he played fullback for the I don't know some ABA team or AFL team or something for a while. The guy was a he was big, but he, when he he charged the ball and he'd be running at you, Kevin. And then when he threw it, he had a natural tail. So if you have any kind of side spin, the ball wants to leave your hands. I mean, right more than an end over end. Well, see, I thought you could always ride those. You know, it, it was we, had, ones, we had to. It was the ones that yeah. were coming straight at you with no action that just wanted to pop, you know, pop straight out that didn't want to stick. Plus, he would inevitably get you like waist high, where it wasn't natural up or down. Yeah, well, that's a problem. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a guy here who was making a prediction, and I guess he's looking at the base base human needs. Uh, the picture of the stock, he says, you want to have, and this, by the way, was Kathy Durvin way back in the day when we said five stocks you want to own for the next 20 years. This was her first pick. Is Kimberly Clark. Because there, of course, is a picture of 
of Scott bathroom tissue and Huggies. And I guess if, if, if those, if it gets to the point where nobody buys those, we're really in trouble. Just saying. Yeah, well, don't shake hands. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to do that. So, Kevin, what the, we, we see the, the market dragging here. We, I, I hope, of course, nobody ever wanted to listen, but uh, the last thing you want to have happen in, the, in, in society, well, not the last thing, rather not have an asteroid or something, but the last thing you want to have happen is a huge run-up in markets and then a huge come-down to, say, the same spot, which is sort of where we're heading, it appears. Maybe let's, hopefully we don't get there, but look, it looks to me like we might be going right back to where we were before COVID. Now you say at the end of the day, what what's the harm? No harm, no foul. The the amount of borrowing that's done on the on the temporary wealth is dramatic. Plus, you have your 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 government at work that says, "Oh, by the way, on the way up, you better pay me all the taxes. On the way down, you only get to take off three thousand. I with all with all the jaw jaw slapping on both sides of the aisle. Have you ever heard a, a a whimper of somebody saying they should raise that number, left or right, ever? I haven't. No, I haven't. And and you know what's going to happen is the first person that raises it, they're going to say tax cuts for the rich, tax cuts for the. It's like Gomer Pyle. Yeah. Uh, on on Andy of Mayberry going citizens of the rest, citizens of the rest, tax cuts for the rich, tax cuts for the rich. Um, so yeah, that it's always the first thing you hear. Well, I mean, to a certain extent, it, it is. Uh, but then again, it, there's a lot of people. I tell you what, there's a real lot of people. That poured money in this crypto, higher at higher prices. People that never bought a stock in their life. And when they, <laughs> uh, I don't want to be uh, sound like I'm being uh, prophetic here because I'm never never am. But uh, if all of a sudden that thing falls apart, you're going to see people with thirty and forty thousand dollar losses that you would never dream. Those people had that kind of problem. They're going to be low class, middle class, whatever that even means anymore. And uh, they're going to have this $40,000 bump on their balance sheet that if they're 60 years old, they better live a long time to get it off at 3000 a year. It's all over the place. What, what about the houses people are buying now that are already dry? In some areas, they're down 20% in what, four months? Yeah. So now your house is, um, you know, you're, you're going to be on, a lot of people, if they aren't underwater, they're on the way. Um, if, you, if you're not underwater, if you bought in the last two years, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, you, you made a really good buy, or your area's holding up there. I mean, Audrey claims in Orland, um, Audrey claims that they're not down very much, if at all, because there's a, such a shortage, and they never really skewed to the upside like you know California or Florida. But I mean, this, uh, I mean, people are getting insurance settlements on their stuff in Florida for, I think, a lot less than they paid for them. Well, yeah, and as you, you know, Tom, you've discussed that you know if if you ride it out, you know if you if you ne- if you can always afford to make your monthly payment, and you don't have to sell and you don't have to move and you stay employed, that's great. And the problem comes in, and which is exactly what we saw in two thousand eight, is the old price prices ran up, uh, uh, businesses started having to uh, raise their prices, shipping costs were up, you know everything, so all the cost escalators kicked in. Businesses started to cut back. Demand, you know, with demand was hurt for uh, a, a lot of products uh, because of the pricing, um, or uh, shall I say, quantity demanded fell, um, and, um, and and so people started getting laid off. So now you're laid off and you're underwater, and you know, three four months in, you're in trouble with the mortgage, 
and that was when people just started saying, "Screw it, walk away." Well, yeah, and um, it's and uh, you know that which you know uh, people like to criticize the decision, but it's a very rational economic decision. Um, so you walk away, and um, and now uh, you know now we have a crisis because the amount of inventory that's sitting out there it just makes it worse for all the existing home buyers because now you can start dumping inventory on there. Uh, it's going to lower the prices that much more. Banks are going to have to start. You know, they, they don't. They're inadequately reserved for the event. Um, it, you know, it just cascades through everything. And I, you know, I think we're in danger of being there right now. Well, it's a. It comes down to one. We don't have much time. But I wonder this is a little bit, Kevin. There's a there's a huge difference in mentality between somebody who's ever been a trader on a trading floor or traded actively. When I say actively, I mean somebody's traded like a professional. Where you essentially marked yourself to market every day, and you really don't care what you paid for anything. It's what it was yesterday and what it is today. Matter of fact, when I was on the trading floor, second day, some some old fart, who of course probably probably younger than I am now, walked by and he said, "Son, if you want to be good at this, don't ever remember what you paid for anything, because it doesn't matter. It's where it was yesterday and where it is today." Now that, of course, mentality, ninety-nine percent of the people listening say this guy's out of his mind, but. Everything we've talked about today is the exact same thing. A pension fund that says, okay, so what? I'll buy this bond even though I know it's a bad buy. And uh, we'll just wait it out 20 years. And by the way, I'll be retired by then, so what do I care? Eventually, you're going to get your money back. And same way if you if somebody buys a stock, whatever how good it is, you know, you bought Microsoft at, uh, where the hell is Microsoft trading? It's trading uh, 227. I think it got to like 340. And somebody's going to say, it doesn't matter, I bought it, I'm in for the long haul. Well, if your great-grandkid sells it at 341 I got news for you. That's a horse bleep buy. <laughs> I got news for you. Because anywhere along the way, if you needed it, it, you, you, it actually was worth X. So, and, and I don't want anybody, you know, going going out, out of out a window because of this, but this country right now is loaded with people that paid 400000 for a house. If they had to sell it today, they're going to sell it at three fifty. If it's not now, it's going to be next month. Now... What I'm saying is that if, if everything works out well, they stay married, they stay all kinds of... And at the end of the day, it's probably not going to make any difference. They'll be all right because they're, they're going to live there, and 20 years from now, it'll probably come back. But guess what? It was still a horse bleep buy. Yeah, I was going to say, it didn't make it a good buy. It, yeah. just, it made it uh, survivable. Yeah, it made it survivable. It's, it's like waiting out of stock. But you don't... I mean, <laughs> the best line was, uh, you know, our, my, our buddy Doc, his mom, she's still alive, by the way, uh, nicest, <laughs> the funniest lady. Talk about somebody who had her. We were at this graduation party years ago, and then and our buddy is trading her account. So he buys her a bunch of, uh, I don't know what it was, Citigroup or something like that. And she says to me, yeah, Jimmy says we're in for the long haul. Does that mean it was a horse bleep buy? <laughs> That's exactly what it means. <laughs> your lady's 80 years old. I mean, when it, as soon as you say you're in for the long haul, does that mean it's a horrible buy? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> But if she's eighty, and she knows this, okay. But I mean, I'm just, I'm just, just saying. It's you know, granted, you don't have to sell everything the next day. That that's the beauty of it in your house, and even on your stack, you can wait for it to come back. Okay, but the fact is, in in, in some businesses, you're marked to market every day. So somehow or another, these pension funds in Britain, whatever they did, they were not a margin or whatever they did. All of a sudden, now it's a short-term problem for them. Now I don't know what's causing that. They said there were margin issues. And I don't know that any pensions here um, actually buy stuff on margins. So I don't, I don't know if if people in Britain, if the pension funds can 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 have margin loans. I don't. I mean, 
we came real close to, to uh, actually we're close again to, to, to uh, managing some pension money. I don't, I don't think there's any, anybody does any margin there. I would never think of going on margin with pension money. So as to how those people over there, I mean, there's more to this one than meets the eye, I guess, and I don't understand it enough. When they say a pension fund has a margin issue, well, how the hell do they get that? You know, I mean, unless they're bound for, to, to pay to make the payments or something, something weird's going on. I mean, what, what do you think's happening? Don't know. I, I, in that one, ask Russell that one yeah. question because I sure don't have a clue. I'm going to ask. I also ask, have to ask. I, mean, I got a whole list. I got some uh, emails from people. Uh, how far down can you think this Hang Seng exchange can go? I think it goes down every day. I mean, it's, there's got to be some real hurt going on over there. I mean, things down. It's like half of what it was a year ago. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's crazy stuff. What a are you hearing anything um, in, in your, is are there any, your houses in your area never spiked up that much, did they? Mm, sort of depends. You know, on, on my side of the border, hell no, there wasn't even that much for sale. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't pay close attention, to be honest with you. I think, you know, the, the real, the, the, the big, um, what, what do they call them, McMansion homes in, uh, um, in Granger might have. But again, you know, why you know why was the big demand in the suburbs in Chicago? You know, where did it come from? It was people wanting to escape the city, during, uh, you know, especially during the pandemic because it was unlivable. Well, we don't have a city to escape, so. Well, that's true. I mean, a lot of the stuff in the burbs that, that happened here, and now I read yesterday a couple of these old office buildings downtown are being converted into apartments. Say, hey, well, that's a stretch. I don't, I don't know where you're going to get that loan to do that. It's millions and millions of dollars. But uh, so what do? What uh, what's your take on the, on the baseball or the football? I mean, Alabama's having trouble staying in the number one slot, and uh, is there a changing of the guard this year, or not really? Eh, I'd say not really. You know, it's it's when it gets right down to it, your top four is going to have you know three of the usual suspects probably, and then uh, and then we'll see who goes in to be cannon fodder. Well, how much? Who uh, looks to me like the Alabama's Ohio State, Alabama number one, Ohio State number two, maybe. Georgia and Clemson, although if they have a year where they lose a lot of draft picks, it takes them more than a year to come back, where it really doesn't, Alabama doesn't appear. How, how much better are they than the next crop? The, the, the Michigans of the world, the, I'd say even on a good year, the Notre Dames of the world, is it is it insurmountable or is it, I mean, it seems like there's the top oh, four. It's insurmountable. The, the problem is uh, is talent. You know, it, it's it's always the talent and then and then you have to coach it. So there, you know, there, there are no, you know, schools that notoriously have, you know, accumulated a lot of talent, uh, but their coaching sucks. You know, Texas A&M with Jimbo Fishers like that, um, you know, where, where they've, they've, they've had really, really high rate, highly rated classes, and it's not translating to the field for them. Um, whereas, um, you know, you, you get Alabama, where Saban is, he's good, and he's accumulated, you know, a good staff. Um, you know, and as people have moved on, they've managed to replace them with good people, with good coaches. I don't know if they're good people or not, but good coaches. Um, and uh, and so, you know, they, uh, they they not only get the amazing talent, but they coach it well. Um, and then there are other programs that do really well, but they're getting those three-star types of recruits. Uh, predominantly, they may get a few highly rated guys, but they're getting mostly the three-star rated recruits. And they, you know, if they're really good at coaching, they're going to make them perform really, really well, and they're going to build cohesive teams. 
but when it comes to playoff time and they have to beat Alabama or they have to beat Georgia or um, you know or the like, then or Ohio State, that's going to be a problem because you're going up against over overwhelming talent, and those coaching staffs are pretty good too. Um, my buddy Beldo used to make a big deal out of it. I haven't seen him in ages with the COVID, but I uh, used to make a big deal out of the. Uh, some schools can maintain depth and other schools can't. Because even the Irish on a, on a great year, since they don't boot anybody out of the program, and people leave now, which maybe helps some of these schools, but um, so they might have 55 to 60 people that are even really serviceable. Other people just didn't even work out. Whereas Alabama's probably haven't. Because some years Stanford can't even, have, can't even find 55, 60 people on scholarship. Where Alabama's always got every one of their scholarship slots full and they always got a bunch of guys hanging around the taxi squad at some junior college allegedly paying their own way and they can handle a, a 10 person draft off their team and the next year they're just as good it has to do with they have literally 85 guys when everybody else even the even the best other people the Michigans and the Irish only really have 55 or 60 that are quote serviceable they, they just have more people because they don't, they don't mind getting rid of people and they don't well, and, but but now you're starting to see that a lot. You know, if if you you're right about people leaving, um, the depth was has always been incredible. But you, how many times, if you if you sat and watch games, uh, and they start saying where are the guys transferred from? There's a lot of guys that are transferring out of Alabama now, out of Georgia, out of uh, well, maybe that's uh, Justin Fields to Ohio State left Georgia because uh, of the depth chart. Um, and uh, and then when he he came in, uh, uh, what's the guy uh, Cincinnati's quarterback, uh, uh, the Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow, to LSU, Joe Burrow. Um, you know he left Ohio State over the depth chart. So you're starting to you, you're seeing the attrition because guys really want to play. Yeah. More than anything else, you want to play. You yeah. You want to be. You want to play in big games. You want the venues. You want all of that. Um, and and you want to be well coached so that if you have uh, NFL ability that you are prepared to actually make a career in the NFL. But you want to get on the field, and even if you're not going to the NFL, you want to get on the field and play at the highest level possible, whatever that is. And if that level is moving from Georgia to Ohio State, cool. But if that level is moving from Georgia to, I don't know, Marshall, you know, or something like that. And Marshall was loaded up with guys, including you know some guys from Alabama, from the SEC teams. Um, you know, then you're still playing at the highest level you can. Just like Matt will tell you that he likes competing at the most competitive level he can, playing softball or basketball. Well, that's truth, Kevin. Thank you much. Talk to you on Friday. SP Features up 24. We're hanging in there. As if he's up 98. We'll be back, Professor Russell Rhodes. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again.
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye. The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Well, and welcome back to Stockton Jacks. I'm Tom Weber on the board. SP Futures up 24, and NASDAQ Futures up 97. Do we have the professor? I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. How are you, buddy? Driving in the, driving in the rain. Ah! Well, last night I was, I was uh, stopped in the rain. I swear to God, I am behind somebody on 294 right now that is doing 35 miles an hour while everybody goes around them. Give me a second here. Oh, God. The, uh, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Clear, clear, clear! My damn car. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm not going to hijack you today, I promise. Yeah, I heard I heard you say you had a bunch of questions, so I'm just going to... Uh, one, uh, one of our listeners <laughs> and, and clients says, uh, he wants to know, uh, we, we asked you earlier where interest rates were going to be by the end of 2023. Have you amended your prediction? Oh, um, about four and a half percent. That's kind of where you were before. Yeah, it hasn't changed much. The path to get there has changed. Where um, you know they they were talking about fifty basis points at the next meeting, and then maybe twenty five in December, and now it's like seventy five and fifty. Now this is, I checked a couple of days ago, and I can't check right now because you know traffic. But um, I, it, and then it just has it kind of topping out in that range. The dispersion of where the market expects it to be at the end of the year has us around 450, but it's it's a wide range of the I've never seen the range this much. And when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about the derivative markets and, and where you put different odds. Uh, late last week I checked, and there actually was like a 9% chance that we would be at five and a quarter at the end of 2023. I, and that that's like a relatively new number on the whole, you know, on the board there as far as the odds go. Oh, you're talking... It popped up, it popped up last week. Right, we're talking federal funds rate. We're not talking 10-year, correct? Yeah. Right. We're talking about the federal funds rate. Yeah. Um, I have just, a, I mean, since you're a, you know, a prestigious professor, how is it, in, in one man's opinion here, again, this is just me, that for two years all we did, Maddie and I talk about, and you and everybody else, the Fed's total blindness to the fact that there was inflation all over the place and they kept saying there wasn't. And now, as it seems to me, the the driver of it has eased off and we have this price level problem that they now have running around saying how much inflation's in the system. And I think it really... How, how are they so much different than me? <laughs> what am I... Well, first off, they can't, they, they can't say things that scare everybody. So that's it right there. They may, you know, you, you always say, 
why why are they you know why don't do they not see what I see or know what I know? I think they do, but they also um, you know I was talking to somebody yesterday about uh, the, the changes in interest rates, et cetera, and 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 he was like, you know, it's not so much where, so so much where we end up or where we get. It's the path that we take to get there and that you don't shock the market along the way. And I think that can go along with, I think it definitely goes along with what they say to us. Well, but you know, and they try to, they, they, they try to, they don't want to pull the Band-Aid off. They want to, you know, do a slow bleed to, to give us all the bad bad news. Well, why, why, do, they, uh, why do they have I, to? I would rather they pull the Band-Aid off. I think you would, too. I, 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 I actually, you and get I, it over with. it's the first time you and I have ever, Really disagreed on on a, on, a, on a serious subject. I honestly believe that since in the last five months the money supply has gone nowhere, the the inflation, the the growth in prices right now has stopped. The problem they have is a price level, and I don't I don't know that you attack a price level problem the same as you do as an inflation problem. No, no, because the the inflation problem is worse. Well, right. So. Yeah, because because we get used to the, you know, sixty thousand dollars Jeep. Yeah, well, I mean, I. You know, I mean, how do you we don't and and the other thing, it's really funny. Um, you know, I I know what my first car cost, and yeah, and I've just uh, bought cars for a couple of a couple of sixteen year old, you know, one sixteen year old this year, another one who's now eighteen a couple of years ago. Um, you know, and I have that perspective on what their cost cars cost versus what my car costs. They don't have that perspective, and there are a lot of people that don't have, you know, the much lower price perspective or the ability to buy on one, you know, on a single family income and live decently. Well, they're going to. The memory has faded. The memory will come back when you're not paying. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I listen to the. Uh, to, to be blunt, I mean, my, why beat around the bush? To be blunt, the people you listen to on Tout Radio all have a lot of money, right? I don't know if they're one percenters necessarily. They live well. They live well. You know, so, you know. so when somebody who's making eight hundred thousand dollars a year for 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 being a talking head on CNBC and going to give you their view of the world, what world is that exactly? But when I when I know what the real world is like, I, I I talk about my younger sister who is a very blue collar person, and she actually she came and visited this weekend. I hadn't seen her in over a year. Um, her perspective on things is very different than mine. Well, I, you know, and, but I, but I talk to her about because I'm, I'm her financial safety net. I talk to her about um, all of that, and she's fifty. She and, and I am going somewhere that I think belongs to us. She's around fifty, and she had mentioned recently that uh, she wanted to start saving money. And I just brought it up. I said, "Well, you know, what are you doing as far as saving money stuff goes?" Well, she goes, well, I'm just trying to get up to $1,000 in savings because, you know, eventually my hot water heater's going to break or I'm going to need a down payment for a car. She isn't talking about saving like you and I are. Yeah. Well, she's talking about, like, having a little bit of a safety net because she had, you know, something in her condo that broke. And her first her first estimate was this going to cost you $3,000. And then somebody honest came out and said, oh, I can fix this for 150 bucks, But... That kind of scared her into the, the savings, but her perception of saving is so. And I think that that, that was kind of eye opening to me. I think there are a lot of people that their perception of savings is, you know, enough to get by in a month if they lose their job, not retirement. 
and that's going to be a problem. Well, they had uh, one of the touts, um, <laughs> they'll use an old racetrack term, they had one of the touts on CMZ talking about the auto industry and how you got to buy them. Uh, I'm not saying they're not a bad buy, uh, but you got to buy them because the, the amount of uh, pent-up demand in cars with the COVID and all the other stuff is so dramatic that they're going to have to have their, this, this breakout year. This is two days, Russell, after I was given a long story about long story about how the, the average price of a car now is 47000 bucks. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sitting there people going, can't afford them. I was going to say, I'm going to, I'll lob one out there and, and correct me on this one, Professor. I'm going to say right now, 55% of the population will never own a new car. Or 50%. Oh, they won't. You and I, you and I are going to quit doing what we're doing right now, and we're going to start up a car company that makes the bare bones car. Yeah, if you can get if you can get it by the government. Yeah, uh, you know that, that makes a twenty five thousand dollar car that doesn't have anything digital in it. Yep, and just runs like it. You might not be able to find anybody under seventy five that can pick it for you. But the one thing I don't want to go back to, though, I can't go back to carburetors. They were they were too tough. I like the I like the, I like the electronic ignition. You think anybody around now uh, even knows how to? I mean, even knows how, in a cold weather could even get a, a carburetor car started? Oh God, I couldn't even. I, I never had to deal with stuff like that. What happens in your car when? Because I didn't grow up where it was cold. When the when the Cadillac converter gets stolen out right in front of your uh, condo, like what yeah, happened to my wife uh, over the weekend? Really? Yeah. Does that? No. Happen? Right, right in front of our condo on on Armitage, uh, either Saturday night or Sunday night. On Armitage? Yeah. How much? Do, how much is something like? I don't even know because I I don't have to steal things anymore to get. Well, that. if you go to the right place, how much pla- or, how much is that worth? If if you go to the right place and buy your own back, it's cheaper than. Going <laughs> to get a new one. Who are, who are these assholes that are buying these from these thieves? There's about That's what I'd like to know. How much? How much palladium's in them, uh, Russell? I'll, I'll I don't know. Maddie, Google how much really? how much that, palladium. That's what I'm, asking. I'm just kind of curious what the, yeah, the, the you know it's a, there's, there's a, it's not platinum it's palladium right. I I thought it was platinum, but I think I, it's palladium, yeah. and it says between two and seven grams. And so, how much is that worth? Let me, let me look right up. I, uh, palladium twenty twenty one hundred dollars a pound an ounce. So there you go. Well, yeah, well, so it's se- three hundred bucks. So it's seventy dollars a gram. So uh, is what palladium is worth right now. So if it's between two and seven grams, I mean you can do the math. It's between one hundred and forty and um, four hundred ninety bucks, right? Yeah. Did the guy do a? I, I, yeah. Did the guy do a a neat job where you can actually put one in, or did he bust up the pipes on both ends leading to it? Um. It it's it's it looked like a pretty neat job to me, but we already got it fixed or replaced, I should say. Um, what did that cost you? Eight hundred? Yep, exactly on the nose. I'm not I'm not pretty good at this. I was man. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, eight hundred bucks. And uh, we're trying to figure out if insurance is going to cover that or not. Probably not. But um, well, they will. But you got a thousand dollar deductible. Yeah. So it's like yeah. So there you go. That was a fun. That was a fun thing. And that was, you know, that sucks. I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry to hear that. One. Yeah, right on, right parked right in front, because um, we have one parking spot in the back that that I was I happen to be in. We sort of trade off, and then uh, so she was parked right in front, in front of the building uh, on the street, and drove it Saturday evening, and then didn't drive it again until Monday morning. And so it either happened Saturday night or Sunday. 
But anyway. But what people don't, or the listeners might not know is, Armitage is, is a is not is a main thoroughfare. It's not a side street. So, how do you stop a van there and creep under somebody's car for ten minutes, on Armitage? It's, it's a great question. The. Uh, <laughs> actually, no. No, no ring camera or anything like that that might have caught it? Well, we actually do have a ring camera, but she was parked, we think, no, just, just, out of, just out of sight. Yeah, like, so she yeah. was maybe two cars two cars away from showing up in the ring camera. You think you're going to anybody identify anybody after the thing? Probably not. No. Unless we recognize them from the neighborhood or we something. Gotta, I got a quick story because we have other questions for Russell. Um, one morning, uh, was before we were doing, we were on the score, Manny, so it was earlier. So we didn't have a producer. It was before Maddie. We didn't have a producer in the studio. Um, I think, I think uh, what's his name? Herb was our producer. Uh, anyway, uh, we, <laughs> Dr. J. Herb was, Herb was my catcher. Yeah. <laughs> so I go pick up John in the morning, and we and he, we go down the street. He goes, hey, follow that van. I go, what are you talking about? The guy's been ripping stuff off on the block. So there's this white van, right? And, and the guy is casing out all the cars, and there's, you know, two African-American gentlemen in the van. So Jan goes, pull closer, pull closer, because Jan's trying to read the license plate, and he would never admit to anybody that he needed glasses, right? So, <laughs> we're, so we're right up by the second, Jan, just write it down. Here's the license plate number. Oh, okay. So he, he calls the police using my phone, right? So the guy, we're so close, the guy doesn't know what we're doing, so he's got his arm out telling us to come around, come around. So, so, the, so the, the, the thief waves us around, so Jan calls the cops. So in the middle of the show, my phone is going off, right? And you, you can't you can't shut off the policeman calling you if you know that or not. If the police call, if you dial four nine one one, they dial you back. Your phone won't shut off. And it, it's it's like an emergency feature. It's that just, if, uh, it, 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 and that's a safety thing. Yeah, it won't, so if somebody is, is, yeah. is you know is raping you or something, they can't run over. They, they can't. They, they can't just yeah. turn yeah. the phone off. And uh, so the, the cops are calling me during the show. So they, they they get the guys, right? So they get these guys, and they go, all right, what are we going to do with all this stuff? <laughs> The cop says to me, "Who does it belong to?" I go, "What are you asking me for?" He goes, "He goes, well, we got we got like eight radios, four catalytic converters." <laughs> I'm like, and he, he wanted to know how, we, how he's going to go back and sprinkle them on the people. And I said, "All we did was see the guy casing somebody's car." And I was, "So what am I going to do with all this crap?" <laughs> I, said, I don't know. What are you asking me for? <laughs> but he, he, I know what they did with it. Well, yeah, well, we don't yeah, they got it between 140 and $490 for the Cavett <laughs> Could very well be. That's right. Uh, I know that. I, 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 have a, I have a very close family friend who was over this past weekend whose brother was a terrible Chicago cop. Um, and they found him, you know, died from natural causes in his apartment. And the police basically cleaned out the apartment of all of his stuff before they called the coroner. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, because it was you know community police property. Um, All right, I'm going to stop. I, I, I know you have questions. I'm not going uh, to. What what exactly is going on in Britain, and what what can these pension funds do in three days to clean their act up? I, I'm astounded by this story. Well, they do use. What may have happened is I do know that they use derivatives, and they do use over the counter derivatives that can that can have margin calls uh, to hedge their exposure, and it's very very possible that. That's you know that they got a margin call that was more than the cash on hand that they have for their distribution, and they have to figure out what they can sell. Like anybody else that wants to make the margin call as opposed to um, getting out of the trade. The problem is with an over-the-counter trade, uh, you, you, you're trading out of it so that you don't have a margin call anymore. It involves going to the counterparty, and they're going to jack you on that. Oh yeah. 
or going into the market and you know selling whatever equities or bonds that you might own uh, to, to raise the capital that you have to raise for both distributions and um, distributions, but then also for the margin that you have to have on hand. Um, Plus, when, when volatility, I've been doing a project on central clearing, which is driving me insane because it's just the driest topic ever. Uh, but they, you know, when when we have market volatility, they automatically increase the margin uh, requirements, and they can do that intraday on them. So if they're getting that on the listed market, they're having to put up more capital in the over-the-counter market. They're they're having to sell you know, the regular investments that all of us are familiar with in order to make those um, make those obligations. Okay, but, but go back. That's where the, that's where the leverage. When they're saying they're leveraged, it's like people. It's like me being leveraged because I own a couple of SP futures. Okay, but uh, how much of it is, uh, I mean, I, I was going through it since I found my old bond calculator. I'm not going to go through the calculations again. But anybody who bought um, a bond over there, a 2% bond, it's say zero interest. I don't want to go into the negative because my, my calculator won't go that far. Mm-hmm. And now it's say 4%. They're down, they're down 45 to 50% on the bond. Yeah. Mar- mark to market on their, on their books. So they're not going to, hopefully they're not going to force these guys to sell those bonds. God, if they do, what kind of a hit is that going to be? I mean, it's a hit already, because, because that's where they're marked. I mean, it's, that's where they are, and it's not just marked. Um, but to, to force them to sell them at this point, what do you think would happen if, if, if the, the uh, ECB well, forced everybody to buy the, the stuff they bought at negative interest rates? If they, if they told them to sell them today at the market, what would they get from Nothing. Nothing. Well... This is a situation, and, and boy, am I going to open a can of worms with this one. Um, this is a situation where a stopgap loan from the Bank of England or something like that would make sense. Well, that's what but, Kenny, Kenny and I were talking about that yesterday. They've done, they've done so many other things. Do they even have the ability to do that? Well, Kenny and This I, is the appropriate yeah. time for intervention because they have such a long time frame that and you know people do put money into the pension system periodically that they should they should be getting you know some sort of you know bridge loan and it could be a 10-year bridge loan but something to get the uh pension system through this problem i uh well you must have been listening yesterday because kenny and i talked about that for like five minutes going the idea of a of a general purchase to try and drive interest rates back down for the entire world. What a way to piss away money. If you're going to help these guys, help them individually, if you're going to help them. And I mean, help them individually, mm-hmm. just like what you just said. It's, it's easier to bail out those guys, at least to a little extent, than it is to try, exactly. to try and drive the interest rates down from 4 to 1. Good luck with that. It's, it, and it's, it's more appropriate. This is an appropriate situation for government intervention, and I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, 2008 was as well. But when you start, you know, stepping up every time the stock market sells off five percent, you run out of bullets, and that is what has happened. They run out of bullets. Well, how, how did these, how did these guys, you know, my new theme, Russell? And no, of course, I haven't got anybody to agree with me yet. Maybe you will be an outlier. Is it uh, the business of politics is very close to the to the business world if if guys are getting bonuses totally on on a quarterly performance, and because I mean. The, the, the government has the governments have and central banks have done stuff in the last two or three years that absolutely whether you can say it was right or wrong or whatever given the crises and all this crap I mean, we, we can debate that till cows come home but 
the idea of of not knowing, you know, what you planted, what you're gonna so, what you're gonna what you're gonna harvest. I mean, wh- everything right now, you and I, I'm gonna say, are both at a capable level. I don't I don't even think you need to be a professor. Uh, to five years ago, if you'd have given a kid a test at Indiana University Chicago and said, "You central banks gonna do these three these ten things this year," what's the world gonna look like four years from now? Every one of those kids could tell you what what, what the what the repercussions are gonna be. Mm-hmm. You know, you have sex, you might have a baby. I mean, this is I mean, every everybody figures this out, right? Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I mean, you would yeah. think people figure this out. The, it, it, you know, I don't, I don't understand why they're so shocked at what's happening. Um, you know, maybe a little of it is, and, and I, I've not heard anybody from the Fed said this yet, but God knows, you know, it's coming. Well, you can't really co- you, you can't model for the different things that have happened in the world. You can't model for COVID. But did you? Well, you must have listened to your. You actually could if you got imaginative in your modeling. Um, so, and then you can't. You know, we we couldn't. We can't model for China basically shutting themselves down and us not being able to produce anything. Well, you you, you must have listened that's to your a, grandmother. I mean, that's what. That's going to be the excuse. Did you listen to your grandmother on TV yesterday? I did not listen to my grandmother on TV. Jenny Owen. Put that on. Jenny Jenny Owen. Yeah. They said, "How could you have been so wrong on your inflation?" numbers and she said well we had no idea the supply chain stuff was coming what, what, what a bunch of crap that the, the, well, the weird part is I, is it's like it's like talking to a football coach you know you say yeah didn't you realize the point is we're paying her to watch out for this stuff because the rest of us don't feel we can do it adequately so we're going to pay her to do it so when they say, hey, I didn't see it coming, that's what you're getting paid to do. What's the matter with you? It's, it's like the COVID. The entire reason for the center of disease control to have been there for the last 40 years of getting paid is to watch out for something like this, and they blow it. Yep. I mean, it's, I didn't say it was hard and easy. I didn't say it, but the point is you're getting paid, you're getting paid to do the hard job. It's your job. You know, you know I, I have a job. Do you have a job? They have a – their job. And – you know, I, I think maybe they wouldn't get sucked in by the volatility of a couple of bad numbers, but when we're months into it, and we are months into it, it's, uh, you know, you, you got to start paying a bit more attention. We know it's and a... And we're, we're going to get another number in like five minutes, right? Yeah, well, hey, what, my, uh, real quick here, because maybe we'll go to break a little early so we'll come back, we have the number. Um, my, my mother, very blue-collar, um, Went, went to Inglewood High School of all places, never went to college, although she was valedictorian of Inglewood High School, believe it or not. One day she says to me, you know, I understand how can we hire all these people for all this money to be in charge of these places. She goes, because the place runs very well without them. So they're there in case there's anything, a big decision that nobody else can make, something that they're supposed to be more talented than the rest of people, and that's why we pay them this money. Whenever there's a crisis... It turns out they got nothing. What do we pay them for? <laughs> so you, you see the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. No, not at all. That's How's that for a quote from some lady who was like 70 at the time? You know, that's, and it turns it turns out when we need them, they got nothing. <laughs> if she's right about it, on any given day, you even know, if, I mean, the SIBO, you know, ran, was a good place. They had good people there. I mean, if Duke yeah. Chapman was if Duke Chapman was in, in uh, London for a month, did anybody even know he was gone? Because it runs itself so well. Yeah, everybody else ran it fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. doesn't mean you didn't need him because he was obviously in London yeah. doing stuff. But, but it just anyway. The other, so we can, we uh, we're gonna go to break here early. But when we come back, I also want you to since you're our expert, we gotta talk about these numbers. Of course, the PPI coming out. 
what what is going on with the Hong Kong market? How much further can that thing go without causing yeah. a real problem? I mean, it's down every day. Yeah. You you, you haven't been there in a while, but uh, why are they hanging up? Well, I thought I I was on the phone with somebody there last night. Really? Uh, yeah. I, is, I I'm I'm doing a lot of work for people in Asia right now, and so I am a uh, yeah. I'll be I'll. I'll be on the phone with people in Tokyo until about 10 p.m. tonight. Wednesdays are long days for me. Well, you get me at my best. Well, that's a good thing, Manny. You mind if we go break early so we, so we come back when, this, when these numbers come out? No problem. SP futures up 30. Cool. Nasdaq futures 111. Uh, hopefully, we'll still be up when we come back. We we'll right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 
Lone Wolf Face Tyson Jackson. I'm Thomas Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures not only up 10, we're just only up 5. As the producer price index came out at 0.4, hotter than the 0.2% estimate. And we've got goods and services both at 0.4. So that's uh, um, unusual that they're both matched up like that. Now I have to report, Mr. Weber, that I actually got it faster on the government site than I did from CNBC. Just That's saying. a first. Yeah, I don't know what. Actually, CPI's been like that, too. These guys are... Uh, a little better these days, it's, it appears. Uh, anyway, S&P futures now up 10. We were up uh, almost, we were 30 before the announcement came out. NASDAQ up 37. I mean, the PPI is not as big of a deal uh, trading-wise as the CPI, but still one feeds into the other, you, you would think. Over in Europe, we've got uh, DAX up 9, I call it flat. Puts you on 26.4%, kick around down 19.3, so lightly to the downside over there. In Asia, we've got Nikkei unchanged, really, minus, minus 4, call that unchanged. Shanghai up 45, 1.5%, but Hang Seng, 131.78% to the downside, 16,701. Wasn't, what was it, three weeks ago, maybe? Four weeks ago, we were talking about the thing going under 20,000. Now, we're worried about it going under 16,000. Uh, yesterday, Dow up 36, S&P down 23, NASDAQ uh, down 115, mostly... All of yesterday's down movement up with some Amgen, uh, with some Alzheimer's thing, I believe. Uh, hopefully they work. Uh, bonds uh, up one basis point, 3.95. Bund up seven, 2.38. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.25. Uh, oil uh, up 26 cents, 89.61. Brent up 48 cents, 94.77. Natural gas now up 15 cents, but still 6.74 under seven dollars. Arbob up two cents, 2.65. Uh, gold down 10 bucks. Increase in inflation, gold's going down. It's bizarre. 1675, silver down 34 cents, 1914. The silver continues to have massive volatility between about 1870 and 2020. Flies back and forth along that dollar and a half. Uh, copper down 3 cents, 342. We've got Bitcoin up 30 bucks, 19,032. Ethereum, uh, which now I guess is almost as important as the Bitcoin, uh, down up 9 bucks, under 1300 to 1291. Everybody thinks 1300 is a key number in there. We have the U.S. dollar. Uh, we have the euro dollar down uh, 12 basis points to 96 cents to the dollar. And the British pound uh, up a little bit to 110 to the dollar. So kind of light movements in the dollar. Matty, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? It's Ethereum, by the way. Uh, 34 minutes past the hour. Good morning well, how, once how again. How would I know? How would I know? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just <laughs> telling you. It's Ethereum. Since it's becoming bigger. Uh, well, it could, could have been the other way. Who decided it was Ethereum? <laughs> Just telling you. Yeah. 34 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, we're seeing really heavy traffic volumes uh, due to the rain out there, but it's not causing accidents, just long delays getting wherever you're going. We're approaching an hour and a half from O'Hare into downtown, for example. So if you're heading out uh, on the expressways this morning, give yourself plenty of time. I know Russell's probably in the thick of it. Uh, but no accidents except for off the expressways. We have one crash in the northern suburbs, Rand Road at Ella Road. That's US 12 there. Uh, there is a crash. But everything else okay out there. Uh, just slow, rainy travel times. Weather today, rain and a high of 66. Right now it's raining and 61 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 94 today. Right now it's clear and 72. In sports, the Blackhawks begin their uh, 2022 Dash 23 season tonight. They'll open on the road in Denver, taking on the Colorado Avalanche. It's an 8.30 p.m. Central Time puck drop, and the game's carried on TNT tonight. 
Also, the MLB Playoffs Division Series got underway yesterday. The Phillies and the Dodgers won their Game 1s in the National League. The Astros and the Yankees took Game 1s in the American League. Those are best-of-five series. And lastly, Thursday night football tomorrow night is the Bears, 2-3, uh, and three, hosting the 1-4 and four Commanders at Soldier Field. The line right now is a pick'em uh, between these two below 500 teams. The over-under, a very low total of 37.5. Chief? Um, are the Bears the worst two-victory team in football? Um, maybe. Uh, they're, <laughs> it's, it's definitely possible, um, but... That said, uh, they played pretty well against the Vikings and could have won that game without yeah. a late turnover. Um, so I think they're a little better than people think they are. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think two and three is where they where they should be. They lost at Green Bay, who's who's good. They lost to the or they beat the 49ers, who who are good. Yeah, they won soon. They lost at the Giants, who are good, and uh, they lost at the Vikings, who are good. So they've played a, a tough schedule outside of the Texans. And they're two and three. If they if they lose tomorrow night, I think you can officially call them bad. But if they win tomorrow night. <laughs> Then they're three and three, and they'll they're like a typical you know middling NFL team that could win anywhere between seven and nine games. What um, the uh, I was stunned the other day because I, I mean I don't follow as much as you do, but the guy was saying that the well, it used to be what the the NFC West was considered the best best division going into the year. They were certainly picked to be the best division. I don't I mean other than the Eagles. Just I don't I don't buy the part that this. NFC East all of a sudden is the best division in football. It's just too just too fast for me. Are they that good? Well, five games in, you know, they're it's outside of uh, Washington, who is really bad. Uh, the Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants have two losses total between the three teams. The Eagles are five and zero. Oh, the Cowboys and Giants are both four and one. And uh, the Eagles look like they might be the best team in football. Yeah. The, the, the Cowboys and Giants, I'm, I'm not overly impressed with, even though they're both 4-1. and one. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, they could have lost some games. I mean, we saw with the Bears. Uh, the Bears had four red zone drives, and all four of them settled for field goals, <laughs> which yeah. it, that's more on the Bears than, than on the Giants. Uh, but right now, the NFC East is great um, outside of Washington. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's only five games in. This will flip and flop. And the NFC West, you know, as bad as it's been, it's not that bad, really. It's just there's no elite team. The Niners are three and two. The Rams are three and two. The Cardinals and Seahawks are both two and three. So it's early. Both of you know two or three or all four of those teams could get hot and, and go on a run. Well, do the Rams lose people, or are they just? I mean, they obviously don't seem anywhere near as good as last year, but it's it's early yet. It's early. I mean, they didn't lose. They lost some guys on their offensive line. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., who blew out his knee in the Super Bowl. You know, he's not back, and so they lost. You know, sort of their second weapon on offense. Their but their their running game hasn't been as good, probably because the offensive line. So yeah, they lost some people, but they have most of their core guys back. Uh, but it's early. Um, uh, the AFC West, a lot of people thought was going to be really good, and um, the Raiders are one and four, and the Broncos with Russell Wilson, that just hasn't worked at all. And Lou Michaels predicted that uh, they're two and three, and so they've been disappointing. But the Raiders aren't very far away, though. They look good the other night. I mean, yeah, they've played everyone close. They're just one and four. I mean, you lose by one point to Kansas City doesn't make you horrible. They're, they're, they're the example on the Raiders, their scoring differential is is minus five, yet they're one and four. Yeah. So it shows you they've been in every single game. So, uh, Russell, what do you make of this PPI report, bud? Uh, I got point well, four. I, 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 you got to tell me the number. And, point uh, four. When you said that you got it from the government before the networks, I think they changed the dissemination rule where the networks used to get it a few minutes early so they could prepare commentary, and the numbers were leaking out. So they tightened things up. 
So I think that's why you got it from the website quicker than... Well, I've been doing it the last several months, but I'm waiting for the CPI number. Usually, like, we're on break or something. You got Rick yeah. Santelli telling you how it's imminent and it's imminent. I just keep hitting the refresh, and I get it on the on the producer price index site uh, maybe a solid 30 to 45 seconds before they outpeep it on TV. I, yeah. No, I, I, think, I, I do think that there... I remember there was an issue with... Uh, and I can't remember which of the numbers it was, but they, they, some numbers were... I know you're shocked to hear yeah, that they might have been getting leaked out early and that you know a handful of reporters do get it, but it's embargoed until the exact moment. Um, so there. Did I ever so tell I, you... I do, think that, I do think that's what you're seeing. Did I ever tell you my, my story? So what was it? I heard point four and point four, but what's the year over year? Uh... Eight fin- five versus eight four, right? Yeah, eight five. A final change in final demand. Twelve months. Eight five. It was supposed to be eight four. Well, that's because we're up point four versus yeah. point two. So previous was eight seven. Um, actual eight five forecast eight four. Yeah, we we tapped out at eleven point three in uh, June year over year. Well, because point four times twelve is what four is a uh, four point eight, right? And uh, the. It's probably going to be elevated on year over year like this until when, like November or December, when we start no. to have a full year of transitory inflation. Well, you got to get rid of the got to get rid of the one point uh, in January one point two, February one point one, March one point seven. So it'll drop off a That's year from thing. March, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I ever tell you my, uh, my, yeah. my real real quick? Did I ever, I ever tell you my my uh, leaked information story? No. I was uh, driving an early Saturday morning down to take my mom to breakfast around one of those crazy radio shows, and they had uh, George Schultz. I mean, he just died when he died just recently, mm-hmm. fairly recently. He was, what, Secretary of State and Secretary of Treasury under Reagan? He was a brilliant man. I think so, yeah. And he, so the announcer says to him, uh, Chairman or uh, Secretary, uh, when, you, when you're in office and you, and you put out, like, labor numbers and stuff, he goes, I understand, like, the president has to know it, because if he's walking to the helicopter, he, he can't be surprised by it. What do you think of those labor numbers and have him say, like, what labor numbers? And he says, you know, how many people actually get these numbers before they're published? And, and, and I would, you, I would, I expected, uh, well, only the president or some crap like that. But Schultz's a pretty honest guy. He goes, you know, funny you should mention that. He goes, I get this list of people that get the numbers early. I see all these names on this list. I'm going, what are these idiots doing out here? He goes... The hardest thing I ever did in politics was to try and get people's names off that list, and finally I gave up. This is a former Secretary of Treasury. I'm sitting there listening to this, and I'm, I'm like 30 years old. I'm going, you got to be bleeping me. By the way, uh, Mr. Schultz, uh, who passed away in 2021, so uh, recently, like yeah, you said, yeah. very, very recently, uh, he served under Nixon as the uh, Secretary of Labor and the uh, Secretary of Treasury, and then he served as Secretary of State under Reagan. So wow. he, goes, he goes way back. Oh yeah, he goes. He was one of the guys. He was one of the main. Matter of fact, he was probably the guy that that put together the George Bush Jr. candidacy. They hated Clinton, and he was pretty much the head of the Republican Party in a lot of ways. And they had a big conclave, and they interviewed people for uh, president, and they picked George Bush, figuring that as long as they got rid of, if they put the Ixnay on everything before forty, when he was a you know big boozer and everything else. Uh, they they just cut that part of his life out, and which they were successful at doing. They raised that group raised him thirty million dollars to start his campaign, which in those days was unheard of. And, yeah. w- and when he lost in Iowa to uh, 
or New Hampshire? So New Hampshire, New Hampshire, we might have lost Iowa. I think they lost to McCain in New Hampshire, right? Yeah, and they were they were like outraged. Yeah. How could we come up with this money? <laughs> this guy's winning, and they're they're the ones that were alleged. I'm not blaming him specifically. That had that huge internet was just coming out. The huge uh, warfare on on McCain in Car- and when I went to Super Tuesday, and saying you know his wife was cheating on him when he was a when he was a POW and. The reason why he got out is because he gave information. They, they ran all this stuff on him, so he got clobbered on Super Tuesday, even after he won. And that's why at the convention, he wouldn't shake Bush's hand. They eventually sort of made up, I think. But it was a big, big deal with that. But but Schultz was pretty much behind that whole presidency. He had the uh, so okay Hong Kong. What's going on there with your guys? I mean, what, what are they? Well, how much further is the market going to go? And what do you make of this PPI? I mean, Hong, Hong Kong is we've, a bunch of companies that are based in mainland China uh, you know, have had to, have had to get off the New York Stock Exchange and move their move over to Hong Kong. Hong Kong is actually the biggest stock exchange in the world now, okay. over New York, and that really and the big function of it is goes back to uh, companies that are not willing to share their financials. Uh, getting delisted in New York and moving over to Hong Kong. Well, these aren't good companies. So I think that's having a huge weight on what's going on over there. Uh, you know, anybody that has, that, that was, you know, buying a house, and this is mainland China, not really Hong Kong, but you pay up front and you start making your mortgage payments for the things done, and they're not constructing these things. So, you know, we just talked about. You know, the UK pension system having a leverage issue where they had to waste cash. Um, there are individuals who thought their condo was going to be their life savings in China, and that ain't happened. But beyond that, nobody wants to. Everybody I talk to that does business in Hong Kong, with one exception, is either in the process of leaving or has gotten out. The one exception is somebody that's relatively young, and, and his attitude is this is about the third or fourth time that we've undergone some issues and, you know, the people that ride it out are running on the back end. Well, what, um... So it's, it's a, it's a huge, it's more of a geopolitical than a business situation. Well, I'm looking at, uh, yeah. you know, I'm looking at this, we've got some charts up here, which you're not in the car scene, mm-hmm. but I'm looking at something like Alibaba. Well, you weren't on the show back then, but if you would have been, I don't know if you'd agree with me or not, what were we even doing listening to this thing here? I mean, there were there were no assets. We should. We should. I mean, it, it, because there was. This, I mean, everything that we did with China was really about you know um, bringing them into the real world, bringing them into you know maybe they would start to relax things as far as the um, politics go. That you know maybe capitalism would lead to that, and we would have this great new eight hundred million person middle class market to sell stuff into. Well, China didn't let us sell anything over there um, at all. And, and it, I, I'm somebody that ran a bunch of option courses in China, and in order to do business in China, you have to open up an account over there, and he's never been able to repatriate uh, any of the profits out of China. That's great. Yeah, it's it's just a terribly, it's, a, it's just a, it's a mess. And they just, they react to everything. They don't think long. There's not a long-term thought. Uh, and it's, it just continues. It, just imagine what would happen to our stock market right now if we had been, if we continued to be locked down. 
Well, that's right. Or, yeah. or, you know, or once, you know, for for a week in August, everybody in Chicago had to, you know, we we were locked down. You know, well, Chicago was about, you know, I think one out of thirty Americans lives in the Chicago area. Um, you know, that that would that, that has a big impact on all of your business activity. And they continue to have the, you know, they continue to try the zero COVID thing, and nothing's getting done, nothing's getting produced. Well, I, I'm looking, I'm just in the beginning, oh. and I don't want to take too much real quick with this, is that Alibaba was, what, Jack Ma owned the place. So all the assets yeah. were allegedly owned by Jack Ma. But you, but he could, they could be taken by the government anytime they want, right? Because they, they could, they yeah. so what you were buying here, first you got no voting rights. What you were buying is essentially the, the profit stream out of Bermuda, correct? Hopefully, yeah. So, but I mean, the New York Stock Exchange. I mean, that's, that's what you think you're going to get, but I, you know, I don't even believe that. But the I don't. I mean, you know, nothing good is going to come out of doing business with them. No, but, 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 but I mean, and and hopefully we're starting to learn. But now we're now we have it was put on the New York Stock Exchange floor anyway, yeah. right? Without even though I'm going to say when I started. A stack wouldn't couldn't be listed unless the the, the common shares had voting rights, correct? I don't know when that all that all changed, but some I don't know the exact rules, but I do know that there are certain rules that, um, you know, that, that they were giving a bunch of exemptions to a lot of companies out of China. Okay, so this thing they weren't having to they weren't having to audit their they didn't have to show audited books like GE. So okay, so now this thing lands there. Yeah. People are trading it. To me, it's a it's a it's a it's a landmine waiting to go off. And in yeah. 2020, the thing tops at 300 and some dollars a share, and now it's 75. So now what? Now these these things are being kicked back to the Hang Seng Exchange. What does anybody do with them over there? I mean, what 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 is the future for this? I mean, where's Jack Ma? Is he in jail somewhere? I mean, is, any, is there a history? Uh, he's not in jail, but he has been flying uh, to Alpha Wazoo and is. Basically, under it appears to me like he's under some sort of, you know, house arrest. I, d- I severely doubt that Jack Ma can get on a plane and go to Canada right now. No, I think he probably can't. So buy a house in Vancouver and just call it. So, so what happens? I, I stuck a billion out, and here I am. Which so is what I would do. So <laughs> if I could do that, and I were him, I would do that. But I, but I pity uh, the fool that bought so this at three ten or whatever the hell it topped to, and now it's seventy five. You know, I mean, you know what happened? The reason that Jack Ma kind of got disappeared and they went after Alibaba over there is because he had the audacity to criticize um, the antiquity, how antiquated the banking system in China was. Right. Yeah, I knew, yeah, I knew when he was, was getting ready to take a you know a, a Ant Financial, which was going to be you know maybe a solution to a lot of the well, you know a lot of the problems they had over there as far as banking goes. And he, you know, said a couple of very, not really, you know, it's not like he went after the Chinese government. He just said, our banking system needs to be modernized. And next thing you know, they didn't let him do that IPO. And they fined Alibaba for uh, non-competitive practices. And Jack Ma, you never see him anymore. Yeah, it's Whereas And Financial might have, you know, allowing the invisible hand of economics to do its thing may have kept them out of trouble. Well, the uh, the big the biggest fumble in, uh, in Milton Friedman's career was in kind of saying what you just said. That if, if you get economic freedom, 
political freedom will follow. And uh, and he was doing some work for the econo- economist in El Yende's regime, and the people in Chicago got a real hair up there behind about that, and they had a couple demonstrations, and then he ended up at Stanford. I mean, that's why he left Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, but yeah. now, you know, but he, but his idea, and, and you know what, it, it sure made sense at the time to me. Yes, we want a Chevy pickup truck plant in Mexico, even though they're making three bucks an hour. Because ten years from now, they're going to say three bucks an hour isn't enough. There's going to be some wage parity, and oh, by the way, they're going to have you know bars and restaurants and whatever else around supply places around that factory. And pretty soon, the people in Mexico are making a lot more than they are now. And now we just. For ten years, we now have, you know, how many million people live in Mexico? They're now our customers buying Cadillacs and everything else from up here. It's same thing in China, except it, it never seemed to have happened, did it? I mean, these places are, are not—they're not like us. They, I mean, not that the union movement here didn't have its, its its rough times and people getting killed, but clearly, even though the econ- economic boom has sort of hit China, it hasn't stopped the Communist Party one iota, has it? Mm-hmm. No, not at all, and and. You know, the Party Congress, this weekend might be a really big deal for China. Yeah. Um, because every five years they get together and, and make new plans and elect new leaders, etc. And the assumption is that she is going to basically pull a uh, Putin and become president or whatever for life over there. They'll call him president. He's more like a dictator. Uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to see if, if there is actually any sort of pushback. And this is when it happens. Well, the one guy that broke their economic. Put it this way: I would not want to be, uh, and I don't make. You know, I, I would not want to be long Chinese stocks over the weekend. <laughs> How's that? Well, I, uh, they're boot- I mean, I might be dead wrong, but I mean, it's uh, it could go either way. Well, allegedly, the uh, the their finance minister's out, right? I was reading that the other day in CNBC. Yeah, no, they've been. Uh, anybody that's not one hundred percent loyal has has. Found themselves on the wrong end of a corruption investigation. Well, if he's not loyal to me, there must be something wrong with him. Yeah, uh, well, it makes sense. Everybody, but I, 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 I have a funny feeling that uh, busting somebody for a corruption violation is would be as easy as uh, state trooper giving me a ticket here on sixty five in Indiana. Everybody's going over the speed limit. Yeah. Well, uh, when you we had the people who you don't like, when we had the people here from. Uh, uh, the China Agricultural Group, they were doing a, uh, they came over here to look at me. And, and, you know, we've been, we, when I say we, the U.S. has been very open to all these people. I mean, we, they were here. We so have. We had a, we know we, the people. We have, and, but I don't think we're going to be as much anymore. I, I bet we're not, because this was, no. this had to be 10 years ago. And you, you probably knew when they were here, because uh, guys in the options. I know, I was, I, I know exactly what, what you're talking about, because I was heavily involved in that. Um, but who was your buddy? The guy who had the uh, nice guy, the guy who had the stroke. That was his name. Uh, uh, Bettman, Jim Bettman. Yeah, he he, he comes to dinner. He, he, I really like that guy, but he's kind of a character. He comes to dinner, uh-huh. and there's like seven of these people there, and they're all young. I mean, uh, yeah. and uh, and they were they were all. But the, the, tell you what, though, we talk about talking out of school. They would steal anything. Well, one of the guys. Oh, God, yeah. No. We would, when we took them down on the trading floor, or we took them to see our, our you know, the, and this is at Cebo, um, or we took them to see the operations or whatever, we had to take their phones away because oh, yeah. we wouldn't take pictures of everything. Well, the same, the guy and they, they were always really eager. We must, we want to see, like, you know, your data center, blah, 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 you know, which is a bunch of, you know, 
people sitting in front of computers and just making sure that all the systems have been working right. But they were trying to take pictures of everything. We took them to an ethanol and, plant. And multiple times I've had people from China approach me about you know, creating option education or something like that. And what they want is they want an outline of how you do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then when you give them the outline, you never hear from them again. Well, we had one of the guys here, go. I won't say his, that was first name being Chris. He was part of the people that were bringing him over here. Because when we were doing, I was doing dinners with him two nights a week and everything. Anyway, so, uh-huh. so Chris goes to the men's room, and one of the guys sticks one of those things in the back of his computer and downloads everything. And Chris comes back and he goes, we don't do that in America. Guy's like, why not? <laughs> what do you mean, why not? The, Maybe the, why not? That's funny. The, uh, we took him to an ethanol plant, and the guy there wouldn't let him... Uh, well, anyway, Bittman, we're sitting there at dinner, and we have a couple cocktails. And Bittman goes, so how about that Taiwan? You like those guys, huh? <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. He's so <laughs> funny. And, and everybody's like, so what, the, the head girl, which was like 28 years old, she uh, goes, well, we feel that, that Taiwan is like the, uh, the rambunctious teenager. They'll eventually come back home or something along those lines. And I'm going, that sounds I think good. they do believe that. I think they do, too. It's, it's up and down the chain. Yeah, That's, uh, but anyway, it was it. We, but we talked uh, well, way these I, guys. He had, he and I had, he and I had another conversation, um, and and he was. I mean, he he was he had no filter. No, no. Um, and and um, after a stroke, he really had no filter. Uh, he'd come in the office every once in a while, and and you knew what he thought of you. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I really. Uh, but we were talking after going. Through, you know, these people would come over for three weeks. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, and one time I said, "Do you really, after you know, teaching them, and, and it would be like a delegation of sixty people, um, and, and take- after teaching them, talking to them, you know, do you really worry about them taking over the world?" And he goes, "Absolutely not." Well, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, though, it was we we were in charge of the agriculture group. When I say we, people who were associated with PTI, wasn't me personally, yeah. but. I was tired. I went on the barge trip, which was really pretty neat. I went to the, the ethanol plant. I had dinner probably eight times. I'm like, God, I'm tired of eating Chinese, for God's sake. Although, we did take them everywhere. Took them to Greek town. Took, we, you know, took them to Yeah, really. But, I mean, they were, uh, we, you know, we did. I don't know if they treated our people as well over there. They probably did. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. If um, they no, they did not. Well, I do remember Chris telling me that they had, they had, they had, they served dog for dinner. And I and I go. They never they they never served me dog for dinner. They would only take us to dinner one night. Oh, when I was he, there. he said. I said, don't tell me. He goes, well, I had to have a taste. I said, you can't. Don't don't even talk to me. If, if you had a taste of dog, I can't even. I can't even imagine it. But just saying. So what the? So when when they say to the the Brits, they they want them to tone down their. You're saying they have over the counter stuff. That's what's causing the margin stuff. They they've got they 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 do have hedges on and. Okay. I, my assumption is the margin call is not because they leverage themselves up long Amazon. It's because you know, the, there, there are lots of concerns about uh, large investment banks right now. Everybody keeps whispering about Credit Suisse bringing this down. Oh, yeah. Well, in those situations, when you've got uh, you know, counterparty, that's when counterparty risk starts to rear its ugly head. And the counterparty risk here is. is the way that you offset it is you you got to put up more margin. you got to put up more capital. Well, everybody talks about it. I, t- I totally believe that's what's going on. 
Larissa's credit suite isn't that big. I've got actually, I got a call uh, with someone in the UK about 15 minutes after I'm done talking to you, and I will, and he will, he'll have more insight than I will. I'll, I'll ask the question. All right, we'll talk about it next yes, week. Uh, but enjoy yourself. Uh, solve the uh, problems of the world, will you? Because it sounds like you're talking to both sides. Uh, SP yeah. futures up nine. Nasdaq futures up forty-four. Still up after that PPI number. Uh, we weren't up as much as we were, but we're still up. Back tomorrow, stocks and jocks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.